1: Welcome into the OBR film breakdown. It is now Thursday, March sixteenth. Hopefully, this podcast finds you well. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are going to have Jared Mueller joining us in just a moment from Dogs by Nature, and we're going to talk about which <laughs> this free agency period, which is like nothing, 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 and then boom, things happen. It just is. It's weird in that regard where it feels like moves are happening in clusters. So, uh, if you've been paying attention, we did a, a Monday show. Uh, apologize, a Tuesday show, that podcast that released, I did it with Corey Cannon, where we talked about Dalvin Thomas and we talked about Ogbo, um, Okoronkwo. We talked about everything about those guys, and I wrote up a film room on Okoronkwo, which is pretty detailed. Go check that out if you want to know like the nitty-gritty of why he is uh, a bit slept on still, why I think he has a men's upside. It's all laid out there. It's a free read. You can go through it. It's pretty, like I said, detailed and lays out why I think the Rams quit on him why the Texans didn't match this contract offer. And again, why I have a bunch of hope that he's going to be really good tomorrow is um, Dalvin Tomlinson post that one, talk through some of my thoughts on him. And then we're kind of all just sitting around. Now there's some minor news, right? We got like Sione Taki Taki and the friendly cap situation that came with his contract. There's been some things. And if you missed yesterday's ask the OBR session, I encourage you to go back and listen to it because I had Jack Duffin and Andrew Spade on, And uh, Jack did as well as you could conceivably do breaking down the contracts of Okoronkwo and Tomlinson and really laying out how the Browns can get out of them, the structure by which they used, how Tomlinson's is essentially a two-year deal, how Okoronkwo's is structured in a rare way, similar to Miles Garrett, where they expect to have three great years out of him. The Browns typically are baking in ways to get out of contracts early if a player underperforms. And with Okor- Okoronkwo, they did the rare thing of like, we think this guy's going to be really good for the duration of the contract and potentially want to add another year or so to whatever the outcome is after three years. That's the way it leans. They're telling you a story with the structure of that contract. So we want it to be very descript on what they're seeing and why that story is being painted the way it is. So it's all there. And then, like I said, Jack laid out a lot of interesting stuff there. And we had some great viewer slash listener questions that are uh, answered in there. And, we didn't get anything else, pretty quiet uh, day overall. We saw some Browns sign in other places throughout the day. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. I'm reeling Jared into the show here. So so we get Jared a signing here. I don't know, what is it? It's uh it, the daylight savings time where it's it's daylight at seven thirty is still messing with me, but I think I think Wan Hill signed at about seven o'clock. So we talked about this, and I know Jared, you also wrote on it at your website as well. You wrote up some guys you wanted. It felt like, you know, I kind of said it back on February 2nd. I thought Juan Thornhill at about like five and a half, six million was a far better deal than Jesse Bates at like that 15 and a half, 16 million. And it kind of came to fruition. And a lot of us, I feel like this year more than ever, a lot (laughs) of us have been in lockstep about who they should go pursue. And then seeing that come to fruition, when I think you could agree with me more often than not, it feels like you have these preconceived players that you like, whether it's the draft, or free agency, and it feels like they they very rarely take them. It's like when JOK was selected, you get this nice meeting of we really like this player, and they actually either signed them or drafted them. And I think for the most part, people have been on the ball about the three signings that they have made. So the Thornhill thing coming together, really cool. Um, and and I want to make a quick statement, Jerry, before I throw it to you to talk about Juan. You know, we're excited. It's funny, you know, people jump into the mentions of of these things and, and, you know, you're excited about signing a player and I'm guilty of this. We're going to talk about Taven Bryan in a little bit. Saw some Colts people excited rotational piece. And it's like, man, I just couldn't wait to get that guy off the team. I don't think it was Thornhill was like a guy Kansas city wanted to boot, but they're like talking about how you temper expectations, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going through the tape and I see some of the things they're talking about with, with, Okoronkwo with Tomlinson and with Thorneau, they didn't pay top of the market money. They, they didn't go get players here who were viewed as elite, elite players. They got them at contracts. I think are pretty solid. Could have, could have been better. Sure. Especially Tomlinson could have probably been a little better, but the, the way the defensive tackle market was shaking out was a little strange. Uh, The money was a little jacked up. I think we could all agree there, but Like they like Okoronkwo and Thornhill are not the biggest names at their position, but they're good football players. And it's like when you look at the stats and you look at how John performed here. And again, I've been very descriptive about why I think John was not given the greatest opportunity, John Johnson, to thrive here. But like looking at how he performed versus what they should be and what I'm thinking they're going to project Thornhill to do. It's just very easy to see that these are upgrades. Are these guys that we're calling locked-in Pro Bowl players? Like, no, this isn't that, right? But it is a level of basement-raising play, and not just that. I even think they got players that are really good, and you need some really good players. You don't always need 17 elite guys. You need just a good, (laughs) solid core of really good players. So I'm looking at your reaction to Thornhill, and then I know I talked to Corey the other day and you haven't really vocalized some of these things. So if you want to talk Okoronkwo and Tomlinson too, I would love to hear your thoughts on those. You know, overall, I think you hit, hit the
2: nail on the head. At some level, they got Tomlinson and, and Thornhill for the price of Hargrave, right? That's overly simplified. It's actually a little less than actually what Hargrave got. For me, Thornhill, one of the most exciting things, and this might be overly simplified, it goes kind of what, you're ta- what you what we've talked about with John Johnson, Thornhill last year spent 850 snaps at free safety. At true free safety, Juan Thornhill played a crap ton of snaps. He played 178 at slot, 166 in the box. Like, that's the kind of guy they need. It's why John Johnson didn't work out overall, because they needed that true free safety. And so I think if you think of things as sliders, right? Uh, one of, Two of my favorite guys, Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs, have a new uh podcast and and they were talking about value and how you build a team and I think slide thinking of price and talent as two different sliders, right? So as the price goes up, but the talent doesn't, I'm not as interested when the price is down and the talent maybe is just below the other talent, I'm much more interested because from a team building perspective, it allows me to have good players at multiple positions. And the more and the older I get, I feel like the NFL almost is a version of the NBA where in the NBA, you need two or three stars, and then you need a bunch of guys who can do certain things. Well, in the NFL, you have a much bigger roster, right? So you don't need two or three stars. You need eight, nine, and 10 stars. And then you need a bunch of guys who are good at what they do, because if not, teams are too smart now. They find the weak links. You know, last year, teams that didn't run the ball ran the ball right down the middle of the Browns throat because they're smart enough to go, well, we don't really run the ball well, but we're going to run it on you because you guys are terrible at it. And so it'll work out really well for us. So that's really what I see the Browns doing with kind of all of these moves Uh with Oka Ronco Quo. ga, ah, I'm going to get there. Um, uh, <laughs> I love watching Corey him. Corey got it
1: wrong twice the other day, so. You yes. Just got to add that. You just got to add that W in there. That the quo, yeah, quo at the end, right? You know. I'm going to call him Oo a whole lot. What, what did huh. he use today as his nickname? He put it on the bottom of his uh, homage to the Texans. Um, I'll find it while you're talking. We'll come yeah. back and visit this. But he's got a great nickname. I don't know if it's a, well, a self-made perfect. nickname, but um, here I'll find it for you. Tell I'll be you. using it. He goes Obez. Obez. Sure. I'm O B E O B E E Z Y. So there you go. <laughs> Take that and run with it. Um, but, you know,
2: his quickness, his ability to bend the edge uh, in that wide nine kind of role and how he kind of complements Alex Wright. Right. Alex Wright is a, a a large player, fit more what Joe Woods wanted from that defensive end position over there across from Miles Garrett. I think you have some versatility there and then you have Isaiah Thomas. Could they bring in another player? Sure. But all of a sudden you've got. These two guys on the defensive line, Juan Thornhill at the safety position. And then you have Miles Garrett, who I believe is a star, Denzel Ward, who should be a star, right? You have J.O.K., who I think can be a star. So all of a sudden, the defense has some stars, but now they have some players who are good. And then if you have Perion Winfrey as your third or fourth defensive tackle, it really does change kind of the equation. All of a sudden, maybe he's a good third or fourth defensive tackle. Where he's not a very good first or second, right? So all of those things matter. And all offseason and pretty much going into next year, I'm gonna always bring back up the upgrade from G- from uh Joe Woods to Jim Schwartz, the upgrade from Prefer to Bubba Ventrone, like those things can not be uh forgotten even as we talk about these players, because I expect more because they have better coaches as well. So all in all, I'm really excited for the value that Andrew Barry got. I don't need more $80 million players. I just don't think that's realistic, but we probably need a couple more six, seven, eight, seven, eight, $9 million players. The middle
1: class is sort of gutted, right? They've done a nice job of drafting young players that they want to develop, but they have never really been one to to chase that mid-tier level. These contracts are a little different. Yeah, I mean, Okoronko is a guy they really wanted, and obviously Thornhill too, but they're different contracts than some of the ones they've brought in here, where it's like, okay, that's a bit more, I mean, you know, John was a relatively pricey contract. He was top of the market safety money back when he was signed, so they have not done enough work on that free agency middle class, which we should really hit on real quick because I think most people who who are doing this and there's enough of us now that have been exposed to each other, like <laughs> between Pete and you and Corey and and all of us at the OBR and more and more people keep showing up and doing this and getting into good conversations. Uh, we, we kind of start to pin down and TA does a great job of this too, like what they're looking for. And we are pretty much at a consensus that one more defensive lineman of some kind is, is not necessary, not required, but it feels like they need to. So if that's a big end, who can move inside? Now, some of those guys, the Arden Key types have have kind of moved on. There are plenty out there of the veteran mold, the Justin Houston, the Mario Addisons. There's quite a few of those that are out there, but uh, I think most of us would really like them to pair a three technique. Now, Morgan Fox was a sneaky name. A couple names disappeared today. We were looking into Nathan Shepard, uh, not a very well known name but a really fun player at a bargain price he gets signed morgan uh, fox a high pressure rate from a wider four eye it's an odd front uh look over there with LA of the rams uh sorry with the chargers but he got enough looks at the 3 that you could see that fit and especially with some of the wider pass rush stuff that, that Jim Schwartz likes to deploy for all four linemen so he gets signed back and i i know that there was some conversation between him and the browns it seems like the number might have come in too high. I haven't seen an actual number released for him uh, out there yet, but uh, it does at least seem like there is a, uh, a a connection between them chasing some other defensive lineman. Now, again, they can draft some guys, and that's going to happen, but they're chasing some other basement lifting level player there. Now, that's not the only position. So, I want to kind of throw this to you because we talked about it last night. They knocked off the safety portion of it, but now. Like, what are you looking for? What do you think they need to add to, you know, because this is really it. There is no, once they spin through what they're going to spin through, they're not touching this roster until the draft. So uh, I'm curious what you still think if they have 11 million to toy with, like what are they looking to purchase or four or five? I mean, they, the thing is, the good thing is they only restructured Watson. You don't want to have to restructure guys unless you need to. So they could, but I, I think it's a curious little uh, matter here of what you think they should still be out interested in signing. Yeah, I think the defensive lineman
2: is still an important part of their plan. Who that is, right? Is that a Greg Gaines? Do they really see? I know Tomlinson paid, played a ton of three tech at in Minnesota, but do they really see him there? If they do, and Ashawn Robinson, if he's healthy, does make sense. Uh, and those guys probably are going to come at a pretty... Significantly lower rate, you know, you talk talking about those two, three million dollar things, you would think. But then Taven Bryan gets 4.5. Who knows how that's structured, but that's an interesting one year deal. So I think defensive line is one. Uh, everybody's talked about wide receiver and we'll get into that a little bit here in a second. But the other for me is is a tight end, right? Uh, whether it's a uh, Foster Moreau, who is someone I've kind of pushed. The Raiders, you know, they just traded Darren Waller. They seem to be kind of in some version of a rebuild. Um, but the tight end position is one that is interesting. There's not a lot of guys that I like there. Uh, there's more in the draft that I think are are interesting, but may not be there by the time they pick at 99 and maybe they don't go there at 42. Uh, so yeah. I really think it is defensive tackle. Uh, it It's linebacker. Um, I think we all assume Anthony Walker is back, but that's just an assumption because we like, I think we all kind of like him as a player. think he'll do better when he's got a couple of big guys in front of him. And he shouldn't be very expensive. He seems kind of like a back burner kind of player for them. Uh, and then at the receiver position, uh, I do believe uh, Miami's Trent Sherfield is their back burner player as well. Uh, if they don't kind of make a bigger move, I think Sherfield is a very likely addition, and that's what that's why he was one of my five kind of free agent predictions.
1: <laughs> uh, Slayton's still out there too. Could be affordable contract. The the wide receiver market's weird, man. Uh, We'll we'll talk about it in a minute. We want to stick kind of on the Browns for the purpose of, you know, talking through them, adding a defensive tackle, things are getting a little uh, thinned out here. Mm -hmm. So like Matt Ioannidis is available, Ashawn Robinson, Puna Ford. Ioannidis is probably at the top of your wish list for what I'm trying to pair with, with um, more of what I view as an inside player in Tomlinson. Uh, You know, A'shaun and Puna are are more in great gains or interior guys. I'm not sure that this is totally updated completely yet, but um, Dean Lowry still available. Akeem Hicks, Chris Wormley, Andrew Billings. Those are more interior players. Jerry Tillery is an interesting one because they've connected to trying to claim him mm-hmm. um, not too long ago. So keep that in mind. And again, a guy that interests me like mad. If he wants to keep playing, Clay's Campbell. Does he want to keep playing? Yeah. he does. I very forgot very about them releasing he's him. Phenomenal phenomenal football player. If they want to if he wants to get one more run at it in Cleveland that'd be that'd be lovely. Edge defenders, there's still a ton. Yannick Ngakwe, Leonard Floyd, Melvin Ingram, Justin Houston, Frank Clark. Um, Smoot, Dwayne Smoot is available. Like these are all like the veteran types who can have some flexibility. The Carlos Dunlap, Shaq Lawson, um, you know, Robert Quinn. Those are all types like again, and I'm, in, I'm extremely interested in a cheap Dante Fowler Jr. contract because he's got a ridiculous speed to pass rush rate when he gets there, he gets to the, to the quarterback quickly, but you can, you can see a bunch of pathways here. I mean, I think they're probably priced out of like the Leonard Floyd in range, but there's certainly some down here v- veterans between like Dunlap and Lawson and Mario Addison types that they could add and, and certainly improve. So those are those positions. I know Donald Parham has been somebody that the OBRs Brad Steinbrook is, pretty connected to the to the Browns looking at tight end um -hmm. I know you mentioned uh, the Raiders interesting what they're going to do Moreau but that that's another market that's kind of sitting like Dalton Schultz hasn't signed anywhere Giuseppe hasn't signed anywhere Moreau Irv Smith Robert Tanyan it's been like a couple of the names Hayden Hurst and Evan Ingram was franchise tagged by Jacksonville Hurst goes to Carolina which it's nice to see Cincinnati gets weakened, although it feels like now Cincinnati is dead set on getting a Michael Mayer or Dalton Kincaid or um you know uh, what's his name? Washington, uh, the
3: the big <laughs> the gargantuan. Georgia.
1: Yeah, so one of those are going to probably end up there, but the bottom of the tight end market feels like it is, or you know, movement, movement. We haven't seen anything at the top. Maybe Dalton Schultz signing somewhere ends up getting the ball really rolling there, and then wide receiver, like you just mentioned, some Mike Thomas goes back to New Orleans. We're going to talk about some others later, but like Odell, DJ Shark, Adam Thielen, Paris. Campbell, McCole Hardman, Darius Slayton, um, Olamedi Zacchaeus, who's very, very underrated, nice football player. Uh, you mentioned Sherfield, Marvin Jones, Nelson Aguilar; those are all guys available. So uh, the only other big move we saw today was Deontay Hardy went to the Bills. Uh, a game that your name you're probably like who, uh, formerly with the Saints, but a nice speedy option for yep. them. But yeah, that's that's it, man. Um, the only other news I wanted to hit on. Um, We're going to hit on some of the the stuff around the NFL that has come out. Bigger news today after break here. But there seems to be some some growing Broncos trade buzz. So I know that the Broncos were in on Lazard. It didn't work out. The only thing that would make sense to me here, there's two things that would make sense to me, Jared, and I'll throw it to you to talk through some plausible situations. Because as an outsider, I'm sitting here going, Sean Payton, uh, pretty reputable passing game guy, coming into an organization that has uh, a dire need to get Russell Wilson back on track. And they have Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. It's like, okay, those guys are good. They got the, there's another uh, big fellow that got hurt. I cannot remember his name off. the top. Oh, uh,
2: Williams. No,
1: I uh, can't think of his name. We can come up with I'll it in a minute, it. but you're good. Um, yeah. But they've, they've got pieces. Tim. Patrick. And it's like, yeah, Tim Patrick, like is, is, That organization saying we there's either internal discord where a guy like Judy wants out. I'm not that interested in Cortland Sutton. I'd be interested if the price was really low Um, pick like 190 or something. Uh, But that's that's really low. Um, I don't know why they would feel the need to do that, but I don't really see the need to do it with a young, talented rookie contract. Jerry Judy. I'm like, this guy's pretty damn talented. He's dealt with terrible quarterback play. You're going to try to come in and fix that. So I guess it could be internal discord. He's like, I want out. Or it's like, is Sean Payton, like, have his type of receiver and Jerry Judy isn't that mold? I, I really, like, make sense of it for me if you can, why a team like Denver <laughs> yeah. would want to do that with a new coach. And then when it comes to Judy, because, again, that's who I'm most interested in. Like, what are you giving up for him? What what's People want to throw out 42, and I'm like, man, yeah, I guess, I, I I guess I'm looking for your opinion on it.
2: Yeah. So I think with, with uh, Sean Payton, there is a little bit of not surprising. There's some arrogance there. Right. And so they want to run the ball. They signed Samaj Pirine. Ryan. They've signed a few other players. They've, they, they've focused on the offensive line. They want to run the ball a lot. And so I think Jerry Judy's precision, route running isn't as important to them as maybe Cortland Sutton's size or Tim Patrick's a little bit of a bigger receiver. So I think it's going to be a little bit of a different offense than you saw with Drew Brees. Uh, you know, you had Drew in the shotgun, excuse me, you had him, you know, doing some of those kind of things. I think you're going to see Russ under center um, running a lot of play action. And I'm just not sure they care as much about what Judy does compared to others. So it's not about getting rid of Jerry Judy. I did, haven't heard anything that he's unhappy Instead, it's more about how do we prioritize the things that we want to do and how do we get something out of that. And so Sutton, they like a little bit more for what he does, given what they want to do. So, what can we get out of a Jerry Judy? And then other teams are looking at it going, but we're going to have to pay you. Right. And so that's where it starts to be okay, what are they going to, what are they willing to trade or where can they find value so that they can move off of him? And so, I think for the Browns, what's interesting is I think a Judy trade means Donovan Peoples-Jones has gone at the end of the season. And similar to kind of our value conversation, while some people might like DPJ better than Judy and vice versa, I don't think because of literally because of where they were drafted, I don't think DPJ is going to see anything similar to the contract that Jerry Judy is going to get. And so for the Browns, are you betting on the fact that not only are you trading to give something up for Jerry Judy, but you're probably, you know, you're going to need to resign him. And you're probably losing Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's going to sign a cheaper deal someplace else because you traded away and had to sign Jerry Judy. That's where I think it gets just really complicated overall for the Browns. Um, And so what I would give up is... and I'll just be honest, from what I'm hearing, that's what's making the conversation hard, that the Browns are actually willing to try that, to maybe give up Donovan Peoples-Jones after the year, let him go in free agency, whatever, because they they like what Judy does. They like how he would fit with Watson and his ability to make quick moves, because you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones is a high-hip guy. Um, but you don't give up 42. I, I just don't see how you do that unless you're getting back you know, a mid to high third rounder and you're giving up a fifth, right? So, you know, 42, a fifth for Judy and a third, like all of a sudden the Broncos are like, why would we do that? Why would we give that up? Or, uh, but the Browns are like, why would we let our first pick be at 99? So then you start talking about young players. Who would the, the Broncos want? Well, who do the Browns have that they might be willing to give up that the Broncos might want. And that list is really small. It starts with Grant Delpit, I think, because um, I don't think the Browns are giving up J.O.K. I don't think they're giving up Newsom. I don't think they're giving up Emerson. They can't trade Ward. So, all of that's where the conversation from a general manager's perspective becomes really, really difficult. Trading 42 to extend a player and lose a cheaper wide receiver in DPJ, like that is a lot to give up and that's a lot of risk on a player who has been good. He had a he had a really good year last year given the quarterback play. It's just a really hard conversation, and I don't know where I would end up, to be very honest with you. Next year's third-round pick, if they had it, I don't remember off the top of my head if they even have their next year third-round pick, uh, and Harrison Bryant, I don't know. I'd give up that. But beyond that, I'm just not willing to sacrifice Donovan Peoples-Jones, the future contract that he would get, for a player who is going to give you a little bit more than Donovan Peoples Jones for a lot more both in contract and in trade value.
1: I, I'm torn, man. He's he's young. You may you laid out a ton of great stuff there. Um, you know, ever since the uh, Jalen Ramsey <laughs> sent him back a third and like <laughs> like <laughs> random tight end with two catches. Hey we got Harrison Bryant. You want him? Yeah, <laughs> what are you talking about? Exactly. Yeah. Dude he's gonna be twenty four. He's really young and I think he's good, man. I, I I guess let's put it this way, paying attention to how they finish out free agency. If they don't touch a wide receiver in free agency, Jared, I think they're going to be looking hard. That could involve a trade. Um, you know, some guys in this draft are going to be 24, right? Right. So the age is of no concern to me. Cedric Tillman coming in from, from Tennessee, nice football player, 24. Um, now the part of that, that's nice is you get four years of a rookie contract. I understand that, but like Judy is, um, He's very talented, uh, you know. I don't know where things stand. I'm sure, if he gets traded, do you can do you get to keep the option for the fifth year option? I, I don't know.
2: So. I believe, yeah,
1: so. I I don't know about the um, situation there, but I would certainly want to pick that up. That's two cheaper years before you'd have to resign him. I I'm tempted, Jared. I'm gonna be honest, man. I'm tempted. I'd fight like mad to give him 98 and something the following year, and um, if there's a young talent they're interested in. Uh, that is, that is feasible, you know, like again, people could get mad at me, but you know, if they wanted to take on JOK, I would listen. I would sure. listen. I just would. Um, because I think you can sign linebackers to do it. And I think JOK is great. I want to keep him. I'm not trying to give them away for nothing, but people forget if you're doing player swaps, you got to give up something to get something, man. <laughs> you gotta and that's, give something the, to get I'll something. be honest. That's the other part. That's really hard for me is I think, again, I always
2: use it just very simply. Cooper, uh, Donovan Peoples Jones, David Njoku, and Nick Chubb are four of your five primary weapons, right? You can only have five on the field at a time, basically. They're four of them, not they're going to be on the field 100% of the time. So you're going to add to that with Jerry Judy. Great, fine. That's a great addition. But on the defensive side of the ball, if you're giving away a JOK or a Grant Delpit, you're taking from what we all consider still a weakness, right? Comparably speaking, now offense is really important. All that I just I kind of struggle with. Yes, you're right. You can replace linebackers, but go do it, right? Where how are you doing that? Where are you doing that
1: when you're giving up draft picks and and all of that? I'm with it. That's why. Well, I if think- I'm giving up JOK, I'm not moving picks. I mean, I, I would okay. that would be a swap. Like I would swap that's it true. out now, um, d- depending on how they value linebacker play there. Do they want like one forty two with it or something one ninety with it? I you know I, I'm just giving situations yeah you're flexible right. I would, then I got you yeah I would be talking to them about that I would have an open dialogue about that type of trade now. The thing that's nice about Judy because I'm thinking through this is like okay if you go eleven personnel where's he going to play? Well he played two hundred fifty nine snaps in the slot last year he played more slot snaps than wide so yep. that creates positional flexibility. Um, that's interesting right now if they said, hey Denver we really like. This Donovan Peoples Jones, our our Marquise Colson type of guy. I see similar Mm -hmm. elements of like what Mike Thomas does. Very flatline runner can go up and get the football catch back shoulders. We like him. You guys like Jerry Judy. We think he's a better overall wide receiver, more positional flex, just a more talented guy. But we would ship him off to you if you throw us back, pick one eleven. Would you do that? Would you do a JOK? Or sorry, not JOK. Donovan Peoples Jones in one eleven or one twenty six. I mean, that's the start of a conversation. You could say, "Well, that is yeah, we won't that do is that. We'll do absolutely a start of the conversation, right?" I'm I,
2: whether I'm in or not. I I think at that point I'm okay with it because it means the Browns value what Judy brings over what mm-hmm. Donovan Peoples Jones brings for their offense, and they're gonna pay him, but they don't have to just easily lose yeah i think that that kind of trade makes a lot of sense uh for the browns and maybe like you said for the broncos given the the style that they want to play
1: yeah it's it's a fun conversation to have because these are where you start to launch into conversations about trades like and again if it's it's a player swap it's hard to get a team to give up a wide receiver for a guard especially a guard who's already been paid it's hard man so your dream of like well, well ship him Wyatt teller well okay if you're shipping Wyatt Teller, you're probably giving up 98 now, some of you still might do that. That's fine, right? But the player stuff is trickier than you think it is because they, they're not interested in corners out there. I think they've got a good group of corners. Yep. So I don't think they're interested. Grant Dalbut would be a part of the conversation. And you might say, well, we don't want to give up on Grant. Well, I don't want to give up on him either. He was like fourth in the league or third in the league in stop tackles collectively among all safeties last year. So he he makes plays down near the line of scrimmage, right? He does a fine job a uh, nice young talent, but I don't even know if they're going to keep him because you can find that in the draft and free agency. You can find down in the box type of talent in affordable places. So that's why I continue to really hope Thornhill is, is going to anchor himself more as a deep coverage guy. Now, I don't know. I mean, Jim Schwartz might, that's the thing to look into here. Jared is like Thornhill. Yeah. He played free safety, 850 snaps, but he didn't play as much single high safety as you would right. think. He only played he wasn't playing 179 post snaps they played a ton of two safety mofo coverage looks right middle of the field open stuff so he played like truly an even split between left and right 345 and 333 so again is that an indication that they want to do more um with Mm -hmm. with uh um you know what what again it's an interesting dichotomy i've talked about this like i feel like on the last seven pods (laughs) schwartz was more of a post safety guy Goes to Tennessee, they're more split-high, adjustable pieces. I think you look at Grant and you look at Juan, and they're very similar players in a a, a sense. Again, Grant has more plays near the line of scrimmage because he's playing more near the line of scrimmage. But this is where, like, I think if you rotated them and moved them and did different things, you can get creative there. But to my general point is if you're playing a lot of single high, the the down-in-the-box type guys are not, you know, they're not – they're not that hard to find. I think you find them in a lot of different drafts in a lot of different ways. So I want to look real quick uh, for comparisons uh, sake, how many John Johnson snaps were in a uh, single high uh, free safety look last year. I can pull this up real quick. Yeah. So for comparison's sake, yeah. John Johnson pulled up, uh, he had 260 single high look snaps last year, but again, it's a different defensive coordinator. We don't know. We don't really know what they're going to do. So that's, um, you know, to be determined, that's the part of getting a new coordinator where it's a little frustrating. Cause you want to give, I want to give you guys <laughs> predictions and we don't always have that prediction for you, but it could, it could really go both ways. So. Uh, yeah. I'll just anyway, say at ahead.
2: the combine, one of the Brown scouts who looks at DBs, um, said that they had a level of confidence that grand double could play free. So that tells I, I think so me too. I too. Yeah. I agree, so that I with Thornhill, that tells me they're definitely most likely going to play split a lot. Um, mm-hmm with a lot of versatility there. But I think the difference between Thornhill and Johnson is I, I would actually have more confidence in Thornhill playing the post. Not that I want him to be doing that regularly, but I would just have some more confidence in him doing that.
1: Well, they've both gone through significant injuries, right? John, um, sorry, not John. I'm looking at John Johnson's page still Uh, Delpit, obviously tore the Achilles right in his, you know, before his rookie year in 19. And at the end of 19, now this is a second year for Thornhill. He tore the ACL in Week 17, so they've both gone through a significant leg injury. I think. I think at this point, I'm I'm pretty confident that Thornhill's back to who he was. He's it's been a few years now, but as far as just sheer athleticism, I mean Thornhill's like a nine eight Ras guy. Like he yep. is a really great athlete, and um, I'm gonna try to pull that up real quick. I'm pretty sure he was a 442, 40 guy. So you want to like cross compare what is this guy as an athlete to some of the guys he's played with? So so okay, we'll pull up. Um, you know, Thornhill's uh real quick and try to give you guys an idea of uh, what these athletes so he was a 975 Ras guy and a 975 all time. So there's only like 25 better scores here from safeties. His vertical <laughs> is bananas. His vertical is a 44. He was eleven nine 9 broad guy, which are like that's the best Just broad the jump number that they have for free safeties and the second best vertical they have recorded for safeties. He still put up 21 bench reps, which is an elite number. It's six foot Two oh five, so a little smaller. So you would understand why he's a running type guy, right? Like he can move. He's rangy. A four four two elite. A twenty yard split of two point six, great. Ten yard split of one five seven, really good. And then his shuttle and three cones were strong too. His shuttle was a four two, which is nearly a seven RAS which is among the great. So he had a good composite agility grade. Now go back and compare that if you look to like John Johnson when he was coming out, and you can start to figure out why some guys are better at this role than others so uh john Johnson, let me see if i can
2: john johnson was drafted back in the, there we go so he was a seven nine two um vertical was thirty seven broad was nine one one i don't know what the heck how to math that one out, but he was those are just considered both good um forty yard dash wasn't wasn't good at all it was red twenty yard split was 2.66 10 yard split one point five eight his only great is his three cone so Overall, yeah. like he's good. He's got, a, I mean, literally he's got a composite good score of 7.92 compared to, yeah. you know, Thornhill,
1: who's at the, what, 9.8? The, the four six is on the slower side. So that obviously is, you know, like what does that matter? Well, that in a 20-yard split is reading a quarterback's eyes, being able to quick twitch, take off, and run down a ball as a center fielder. Like that's a huge yep. part of it, right? So that does account into it. The 14 bench reps are on the lower side too. So again, thirty-seven vert nine eleven. He's not a bad athlete. John's a he's a good athlete for the position comparatively. He's almost he's he's a good athlete compared to what they they like grade him out peer wise. But that gives you an idea of like the special nature of what Thornhill was coming out. And then Grant Delpit, real quick.
2: Yeah, even mock draftable has very little information about. They just have his height, hand size, weight, and he's got a very very short arm length.
1: Yeah, I can see it. He's he's. I'm looking. I'm trying to like scour. Old tweets, and there's a sample of him. Like Adam Schefter's got a 2020 April 9th of 2020, six two two thirteen for Grant. He's a bigger guy, so this is important to understand too. Like Thornhill six foot two hundred, you're looking at Grant six foot two fifteen, and um, you know guys running with handheld watches here on the Schefter tweet. Have him at a four three nine, so Grant can move. There is an interchangeability here. I mean, he was a free safety in, at LSU. There, there's no doubt that he can do it. Um, it's just, it's just a matter of trying to figure out. Can he handle some of the back and forth element of it? And I think he can. I think he's good yep. enough to do it. So um, there's your your your, your numbers based outlook on the day that we probably botched <laughs> most of that. But trying to give you a picture of how special an athlete Thornhill is, which I think is important to to understand and why they would have liked that. We're going to take a quick break and then come back and just we're going to play like lightning round. I'm going to I'm going to throw it to you, Jared, with a signing or move and you know, immediate thought, very quickly. So we'll be right back. Okay, Browns' movement today, Jared. Here we go. Ready? Give me your thoughts on how it pertains to the Browns, or if it doesn't even matter at all. Yodi Froholt goes to Arizona. That's a signing that we saw happen today. Whoop de do da. Whoop de doo da. I agree with that, man. Following his guy Drew Petzing out there, Browns will be fine. Um, Jacoby goes to Washington. Great spot for him, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I love him with uh, Eric Bieniemy. I love the ability to push Sam Howell, uh, and for him to start, I think the Browns unfortunately are not going to get anything compensatory because of what they've signed, but that's okay. I'd rather them be good than hope for some formula to give them an extra third round pick.
1: Yeah. I think Brissette gets like 8 million as a base could get up to 12. I think I saw yep. something like that. Um, so right on big fans, all of us, the Browns here following you, Jacoby, man. Yeah, uh, buddy big fans. Taven, Bryan goes to the Colts. Not surprised. Didn't want him back. I don't really, <laughs> other than just like Perry on Winfrey. Hey, man, it's your second year in the NFL. And I want to see more of you. The others, like Jordan Elliott, Taven Bryan, Tommy Togiai, I didn't want any. I didn't want to watch another snap of them here. And I and I think Taven Bryan can be fine in some spots. He'll be okay. Like, he's a below-average uh, defensive tackle, but they're, you know, you look around the NFL, there's a lot of guys that are pretty bad playing that position, too. So you try to keep that perspective while also remembering that he was, like, the top of the Browns defensive tackle room last year. So uh, a little a little tough to uh swallow there. I think he got four and a half million a year, single year yep. four and a half
2: million. Uh,
3: some people won the yeah
2: yeah why do you why do some people get to win the genetics lottery and just being very large and very athletic means you get five million from the Browns and four and a half million from the Colts after five straight not very good years.
1: Like what in the world? Yep. It's always these um and this is a popular sentiment among agents and whatnot is like these guys who are former high draft picks and largely because they, they usually are testing out really good athletically are the guys that get more and more of these opportunities. Um, Continuing down the Browns realm, uh, former Browns realm, Baker Mayfield signed to the bucks Um, one year, 8 million possible. It starts like it's a 4 million uh, per year number um, with a, a chance to reach eight. He's, he's battling Kyle Trask. I think if he can't beat out Kyle Trask, it's, it's flat out over. Now, I guess the question is, do you think Baker Mayfield, because I don't think this is the thing for Carson Wentz, and I'm not sure about some others like like um, Zach Wilson. Like, Do you think Baker Mayfield can be a good, long-term, peaceful, chilling, Chase Daniel, Chad Henney type, like this guy's 37 and he's still in the league type of backup? Do you think that's <laughs> in the realm of, for him or not?
2: No. I mean, I think his
1: – I actually do. I'm interested really? why you would say
2: no. Well, so for me, it's obviously just personality. Like he is a chip on the shoulder, always want to prove people wrong. And so when you're that, you, it's hard to be supportive of the other guy. It's, it's just, it's cause you see everything as competition. Everybody's out to get you all of that kind of stuff. I think Baker replacing Brady. And I know uh, Bruce Arians really, really likes Baker Mayfield. Obviously he's not the head coach, but he's there, you know, in the front office and all that, I think it gives him an opportunity, right? You got Meg Evans, you got Chris Godwin. You have uh, worfs will be back at some point in time, but they've kind of dismantled the rest of the offensive line. And I'm not sure how Baker will look if he's going to start seeing ghosts like he did when it was Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard protecting his his two sides.
1: I think I'm going to zag your zig there. I think he's actually going to be around the NFL as a backup for a long time. I do think Baker's a lot of things. He's not stupid as far as understanding, like I think as far as understanding how he has to change to fit in, like, Hey man, my idea here is I can either be a backup and stick around the league for a long time, or I can go do TV for a living. And I think he's going to fight like crazy to be a backup for a long time. And I actually think because of the arm strength and some of the stuff that he has, if he accepts that that's where his career is gone. If he, apply some like he's most guys like baker they just kind of do like mm-hmm. if he can just be cool about it and be a backup and help people i think there's a chance here so we'll revisit this in five seven years but <laughs> i just think i think he's gonna stick around the league i don't think he's ever gonna be a starter like this is to me his last chance to be a starter Yeah, it's hard you never say never because we're watching geno smith pull off a miracle here but like i just think this is his last chance like if he can't beat out kyle trask and be good with the weapons that they have there it's like, all right, man. That's probably it, right? I guess Mike Evans, a little. If you're a believer there, and I have some some friends from Muskingum days who are, who are big Bucks guys. A lot of guys came up from Florida, big Tampa Bay fans, and I just like <laughs> sent them the message today. I'm like, man, his uh, time is a flat circle, man, because you guys used to give me shit all the oh, time about this, and now he's on your roster. So. <laughs> um We'll see what Tampa does in the draft and all that, but but again, I think Mike Evans' consistent streak, what is it now? Is he at like 10 years of 9 years of thousands 1,000 yards yeah, every year? It, yeah, it's in that range, yeah. It's in, it's in jeopardy, man. Kyle Trash sucks, so can't beat him <laughs> out, brother. I don't know what to tell you, so I expect him to play there, but we'll see what the success actually ends up looking like. Um, Again, now moving a little quicker, Darius Slay cut from Philly. Seems like there's some strong buzz that he is off to the Ravens to replace Marcus Peters. So Ravens haven't done much here. Now, again, the Ravens are in a weird place because I think they're still trying to probably figure out what to do with Lamar and what that number is going to actually look like. And that's making things a little murky. But, man, getting Slay for Peters would be a real kick in the groin, you know? (laughs) yeah you're yeah you all of a sudden like the Eagles are the Eagles
2: are a great example of a weird team that you know they lose Sanders they lose they cut Slay they you know they lose a bunch of guys but then they kept all of their old guys right Brandon Graham Fletcher Cox both signed for 10 million or more they kept Travis Kelsey is still the highest paid center in the league at 90 years old whatever he is like they've kept together this roster of older guys and not that Slay is young, but they, they get rid of Slay and they've lost a few other pieces uh, to their linebacker core, those kind of things. And you're just like, what are you really doing here? Like, you're really... I mean, in a lot of ways, they're putting it a lot on Jalen Hurts to kind of overcome, you know, some of those losses and and hope everybody else develops. Yeah, Slay to Baltimore wouldn't shock me. I've also seen some DJ Chark to Baltimore, but they, they really are in a position where they don't know what to do because if they they have to deal with Lamar's huge cap hit, then it's this, right? Or if someone actually, I don't know who it would be, but someone actually goes after him, Miami, after the draft, right? When they can they can actually do it. Like, it, they are so up in the air that it's really, really interesting. They just got, you know, they got rid of Class Campbell.
1: Uh, so it's just, it's a really interesting team, and Slay would make them better. Running back market is moving quick here. I'm going to throw three at you um alexander madison goes back to which some people had thought would be a natural little spot maybe if the browns were looking for a cheap player from a similar system he goes back to the vikings for seven million um james robinson just signed with the patriots for um, a max value of eight million over two years and then the big one here is miles sanders in our fantasy league belongs to me i gotta figure out what i'm gonna do with this guy goes to the panthers for four years Twenty five million, but I'll say, man, if you watch the Panthers last year, end of the year, I mean, I know they're bringing in Frank Reich's new system, but they're running the heck out of the football. So you know, maybe Miles Sanders is going to get consistent workload here. But any thoughts on those running back deals? And we should throw one more in. They cut Zeke today. Finally, the um the era of Ezekiel Elliott and Dallas and all the drama that came with that contracts and the holdout and then the everything. That seems like a just the nfl's in a different place type of thing. You know what I mean? What was he drafted, 17, 2017? It's the it's 2023 only, season, and sure. you know, he's cut. Some some buzz around Cincinnati, maybe, because they lost some AJP P. Ryan that maybe they'll be interested in Zeke for a year or two. Well, Thoughts, they've had every Jared? All that.
2: Yeah, um, running backs are getting
1: paid, and I don't understand it.
2: Miles Sanders is was fine. I think Carolina is really good, but Miles Sanders was fine. and But I think Carolina's coaching staff Obviously they made the trade up, um, you know, trading DJ more. It's it's this weird thing where you want to protect your quarterback, but you trade DJ more, right? Like, so it's just a weird kind of situation where you're paying 25 million for a running back. I just don't, I don't want to pay that kind of money unless you're Nick Chubb. And even then I don't really love spending that kind of money. Um, but yeah, running backs are getting paid some money. That's, that's cool. Kareem Hunt, uh Z. I don't know, you know what the, his
1: number is, Miles. It just says 425. Maybe it's 14 or 15 guaranteed. I didn't sure. see that. So
2: yep. There's but, that yeah, there's just some veteran guys that I'm not sure what they're gonna where they're gonna end up. You know, I don't know if I doubt Cleveland will be a place, even for a vet min guy. Like, I'm not sure that's actually gonna happen. So, you
1: Too know, much they'll talent go with, draft, man.
2: Yeah. I mean, you can get some good at this point, you're gonna get some
1: good running backs in the fifth round, and I'm I'll be okay with that. Running back, tight end, loaded class. I would like to get a couple of those guys a little later. Here's a fun update. Josina Anderson just noted that um, Darius Slay and the Eagles are potentially going to stay together. Um, that huh. Howie Roseman's having a hard time letting him go, so he's going to try to pull a rabbit out of the hat. So, you know, I would love for Darius Slay not to be involved with the Baltimore Ravens. So mm-hmm. that's that. A couple more little notes. We'll hit on Juju. Apparently the only two big wide receiver. It's funny how I was talking about the copy and paste deals across the linebacker. <laughs> um, landscape where we're like we like this guy he's pretty good but he's not a game changer so we'll give him two years 11 million it started with uh who did it start with uh at the top there it started with david long uh, yep. have got that uh who got that crazy two-year 11 million dollar deal i was like what and even tj edwards is three years 19 and a half that's that's so affordable but then there's some other weird ones like four years 40 million for bobby okariki you get the termaine edmonds one who again who's super young but four years 72 like 55 guaranteed But um, it seems like the Browns are going to be flirting with this group. The names, like here's the list of guys that PFF has listed that haven't signed. Drew Tranquil from uh, the Chargers. Bobby Wagner still out there, the veteran all-time performer, but he's obviously aging. Rashawn Evans, Anthony Walker. We talk about Devin Bush. I continue to be interested. Uh, Nicholas Morrow. (laughs) Those are who they have as unsigned at the position right now. So that's that's weeding itself out kind of quickly. We thought there could be some – levante david interest from the browns because they were sort of connected to him as last time he made a run at free agency but he goes back to the bucks just can't can't miss that opportunity to play with baker one year seven million for <laughs> levante david um i don't really know if there's even a thought to have on that we'll talk about juju though that's that's a stunner to me that he would get three years 33 million uh same number as jacoby Myers. so that appears to be the copy paste number at the top of the market um lazard got four and 44 so, you know, that eleven million year. number, right? So I'd be interested to see what DJ Shark gets, you know, because I think people most people view him at the top of it. And then Odell, I don't there's some of the buzz around Odell was like a twenty million. That's just goofiness. But um do you think that group shakes free soon, the wide receiver group?
2: I think I don't think so. I think the eleven million is is kind of a pushback on last year's uh, not ridiculous, but crazy high contracts. I think 11 million was like, we'll pay you around 11. And if you're a little bit better, we'll pay you a little bit more. But those guys are like, but I saw last year dudes getting 25. Right. And I know I'm not Tyreek Hill and I know I'm not, you know, um, the Raiders guy, just totally Devonte Adams. Mm-hmm. But if he, they're 25, I'm 19. And teams are like, no, nah, you're 12, 13, right? Like, so the 11 is kind of a, a a low kind of end of that. So, yeah, we'll give you a couple more than that. But I do think that one's going to last a little bit longer because I think a lot of receivers thought the market was going to kind of explode above them. And teams are just like, you know what? There's, you're a product of certain things. Um, we think, you know, I think this draft is lacking a lot of top end receivers, yeah. but has a ton of twos and threes. Like, I think you can get a good number two receiver. Now, it won't be immediately, but a good number two receiver, late third, mid fourth round, um, and get some threes in the fifth and sixth round. So, I just think there are a lot of those kind of middle receivers. So, really, the Juju contract really shocked me. You know, he hasn't had a thousand yard receiving season since 18. Uh, which was his fourteen hundred yard season? Jared, is Nine- terrible.
1: The Patriots yeah. are heading for the basement. They're, it's they're
0: ridiculous. Like,
1: <laughs> they signed Riley Reif. They brought back Peppers. Like they, they're, they it's bad. like what are they doing, man? That with Mac Jones and the, the the way he fell apart last year, seeing them rebuild that. I mean, the Patriots with Bill will always be competent because he just is too good at the defensive stuff. But what are they doing on offense? And the same for McDaniel's. And like, how could you be a raiders fan and feel good Mm. about what they're doing over there man like nope i don't don't have any idea so i i'm not saying this for the bias of what team we you know cover here and you support and well we support them too we're not shy about that (laughs) i think that they have done a really nice job here staying balanced you know uh, and doing things for the for the positions they need without going too crazy and just tacking on Uh, players that are unnecessary because there's certainly spots they could tack players on that uh, would would solidify some positions the depth at some but they're not doing that i think they're really spending wisely here as we close jared give me your one player you would like the let's say this we're going to do it as a prediction so who's your one prediction out the door that uh you think they sign over the coming coming week or so they could oh, sign crap. more players. They could play yeah, yeah. more, but um, give us one you feel good about.
2: I think if they don't trade for Judy, they're signing Trent Sherfield, and I think they're signing Anthony Walker. Those are the two that I would – like, if I had to put some of your money on
1: it, I'd put those two guys down. I like it. I'm going to go with uh, just one player. I'm going to go with Matt Ioannidis. I think they're going to oh, try nice. to make a run at the Ioannidis, the veteran. So, um, listen, continue to follow along with everything – Jared's doing a dogs by nature, and what I'm doing with the OBR uh, and the OBR's group is doing collectively. Uh, we, you know, the, I think again the the sites that are supporting, uh, covering the Browns uh, from outside the realm of uh, traditional coverage here are doing a really, really good job this free agency period of, of, of knocking out what they're looking for, how they improve, and the types of players. Uh, I just feel like it's been better than ever in terms of circling those types of guys. So uh, continuing to. Try to do that for you guys. It gets a little bit more obscure toward the lower tiers of free agency in terms of what's fitting and matching and all that stuff, but we'll cover it the best we can. I know Jared will continue to do so dogs by nature. We'll do so at the OBR. So for Jared, for me, we appreciate you stopping by. Thanks for being here. We'll try to catch some of Jared's time again next week uh, after this whole thing is done and see what he thinks about the collective group and start shifting our eye to the draft. But for the rest of this week, we'll continue to break down the moves they make. You'll get a little bit more in depth from Juan Thornhill and me, Uh, from myself over the next few days when i really do a deep dive study of them i can't just like watch it i gotta watch six games minimum to know what a player is like i just can't do that i gotta really dig in deep and uh, write probably and cut up film more than i should but uh, i just i like to give thorough opinions on that so try my best to do it again jared we appreciate you guys we will be back um, tomorrow as we always are uh, with a probably a different guest of some kind maybe we'll hit on franchise mode again we'll see we've already taken enough of andrew's time so might go a different path i'll let you know you will be privy to that information again for the obr film breakdown thanks for being here thanks for stopping by have a great thursday everybody and go browns
3: it's happening daily we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust